I don't know. Duck and cover, bitches. Yo, hi, <laughs> guys. Have you missed our voices? We haven't. No, no, just I kidding. Hear <laughs> every day, and I'm tired of it. <laughs> I miss Brett's voice. I miss Bree's voice. It's true. Girl. We kind of squealed a little when we started the video because we haven't <laughs> had this. Brett, either I've been incredibly busy or Brett's been incredibly busy. We kind of switched off to. Yeah. Um, as you all notice, we took an impromptu break. Yeah. Uh, much needed, uh, mental health, a lot of it for both of us. I was for trying sure. to finish my degree, which I did and, yay! uh, yay, finally Woo-hoo. have my math degree, which is exciting, but, um, just being busy and then also working with mental health, trying to figure stuff out, uh, with the pandemic and stuff. And then finally, yes. I think I have more time and I'm in a place where I'm comfortable being able to start podcasting again and getting that stuff going because I was in all kinds of weird yeah yeah pandemics are triggering is what I found out (laughs) for sure oh my god I feel like a pandemic is like the biggest trigger oh my gosh um, yeah for a lot of people you know it's like it's not just um anxiety and worry which which hit me relatively hard um Mm -hmm. even though I didn't show it directly or to anybody around here but internally it was like really kind of just fucking with my head yeah um but yeah, it's it's just been a freaking roller coaster, you know. Um, I, I for those of you who know us um, or may not know us, I live in Northern California, so we shut down fairly early, mm-hmm. and everybody was very strict and pretty pretty damn good around here, wearing masks when they were out, keeping social distance, um, not going out unless they absolutely had to. Um, then they relaxed things a little bit. They started the stage one of opening and so on. And here we are, we have, uh, most stores are open for curbside pickup. Some are open for, most are open for indoor shopping, but with limits. Mm -hmm. Um, You have, there's a mandatory mask rule now. You have to wear one um, when entering any indoor space or any place outside that you can't socially distance. And then uh, restaurants open, but we still don't have nail and hair salons. Yeah. Which which blows because I'm in sore need, but (laughs) at the same time, it's also much safer. Yeah. we don't have bars open here, but I know a handful of California ones were open and then they shut them down because we've had an increase in cases. So yeah. I'm already seeing a slowdown at the restaurant that's pr- pretty predominant after Sunday. Um, once they, they made the announcement, we just saw it just kind of go, you know, yeah. so, but on my end, I got uh, promoted at work. I'm now interim bar manager as well as a bartender. Thank you. Thank you. That <laughs> um, just, it's basically just, a, it's a partial title and a lot of responsibility. So, um, I'm doing okay with it. It's definitely very stressful and a lot more work than I an- anticipated, but you know, I'm adjusting and we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the restaurant of course has been very busy, which I'm very grateful for. So yeah, it's been pretty great. Me and my husband are still no job because husband's been, I think he might've been laid off by the time of last. Uh, the the episode the, our last episode that you y'all probably like we were talking about it. To. I don't know if it happened yeah. or yeah. I can't either, but he was laid off uh because of COVID and they they definitely said when they're like, you know, as soon as we get you on, we will, but they still don't have a need for most of their employees, yep. understandably. So he hasn't been working and we've been on his one unemployment. Cause I I mean I was a student, so I don't get unemployment. Um yeah. And so I've been applying since March and just keeping my fingers crossed. It's, uh, I was saying to my husband yesterday that it's like that 2008 recession (laughs) that a lot of people experienced. However, I feel like this round we have more jobs than they did then um, because they're in, in my field, thank God being a math person and I'm working on my coding skills to help make me a little bit more impressive on that resume and useful. I do have a little bit of a leg up than I would have five years ago or even literally a few months ago when I did not have a degree. That's good. Like it's, 
I'm staying positive as I can, <laughs> whatever I can't control until what I keep saying also is I'm not going to freak out until I absolutely have to. So yeah. until we are about to be evicted, which probably won't happen till September, which like we're able to pay bills right now because yeah. stuff, but like until I have to freak out, I'm not going yeah. to, because my anxiety says, please don't do that because yeah. I've already been having a lot of hard, sh- I don't know, mental, I don't know how to call them other than like, it's been hard uh, for yeah. me mentally with anxiety and depression and um, grief and stuff. And so I don't want to make it worse and having anxiety as I do. It's crazy how much when this started, I was like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Okay. Like, and like supporting all the moves, but being like, my body has been training me for this my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> you knew it. Your body was just like, oh, I'm ready yeah. for this girl. I got yeah. you. <laughs> exactly. So Ooh. It's been weird. But yeah, I mean, overall, we have privilege. We are doing well. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world that I think people hopefully are paying attention to. And um, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I feel like we probably should like make a statement that a lot of people else have made that like Black lives do matter just as like a, and it means that if you don't understand what it means, I I beg you to do some research. I'll include a link of resources in the description that have videos and books and studies and statistics about the differences uh, that black people in America experience um, and what systemic racism is because it does confuse people. But this movement that's been going on, I mean, literally it goes by different names, but this movement has been going on for centuries and it's, beyond it's past just, time. It's, it's just like the whole, um, the, the concept of, you know, um, violence against, um, black cultures. It, yep. You know, they're saying, you know, look, it's been around for ages. It's constantly mm-hmm. happening, but now it's on film. Mm-hmm. And because of the advent of social, or since the advent of social media, it's now more predominant and more in our face. And I think it's like, we can't ignore it anymore. We can't. Yep. We just Agreed. We can't, we won't, you know? Yep. So yeah. Fuck right. We yep. won't. Nope, we uh, won't. So we want to make sure to say that. Oh, cool science dad. Shout out. Hi. Yes. Oh my God. That was so amazing and very, very nice. Uh, we appreciate so that. Yay. Yay. There's a, I, every so often I Google our name to see, partially because I'm like, do we have any reviews hiding that I don't know and whatnot? <laughs> and um, I was going through the searches and I saw a blog that said, cool science dad. And it was a blog post about our podcast. Hell yeah. And it was so nice and Hell I yeah. went through his blog and he has really I'm, I'm making assumptions because said dad they have really good blog um yeah they had a lot of cool blog posts about stuff um and they have two daughters and like I don't know it was like oh this is really cool you know how I am with STEM and how important it is and it is very cool it is very like cool a father figure that's really into STEM is I think amazing uh having yeah. any parental figure that isn't the only so, yeah. thing I kind of feel bad about is our language <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm wondering I'm if at like some point we we need to do what like um, the girls, version. the the ladies, the errands at uh, this podcast will kill you. They actually uh-huh. had somebody. Now, when we have time to do this, because certainly you or yeah. I do not have time to, but go through and scrub everything, and then we have a clean language version without like they had it without their quarantinis and so on. And I was like, that's fabulous. I love it because yeah. theirs are exceptionally um, educational. Uh, yeah, uh, for us, I mean, I feel like yeah, we're we do we definitely are educational because we do. <laughs> pick facts and we, yeah. we we focus on disasters that have actually you know occurred for the most part yeah um yes um but you know and even though we were amateurs at this but we we enjoy it we thoroughly enjoy it and oh yeah I, I'm, I'm glad that that cool science dad saw, you know, and, and gave us a shout out. So thank you so much. We appreciate that. So now we're we giving shout them a shout out. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Check out their blog. Yes. It is amazing. Cool it's science really cool. dad. Um, I'll probably have it in the description as well. Uh, yes. Thanks. Yeah. Cool science dad. We appreciate it. All right, y'all. So we're going to move forward with my Peshtigo fire. I think I'm pronouncing that cor- correctly. It looks like it's, you said it how it's pronounced. So Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so sources, uh, Wikipedia, of course, the all knowing, um, library massoit.edu American fires backslash Peshtigo, mm-hmm. uh, fireengineering.com, weather.gov, Peshtigo fire museum.com, history.com and Wisconsin history.org. So as you might've guessed, Peshtigo is in Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, 
the Peshtigo fire was a very large forest fire that took place on October 8th, 1871, uh, in Northeastern Wisconsin, including much of the Southern half of the door peninsula, mm-hmm. um, which is, um, and the adjacent parts of the upper peninsula of Michigan. So it's like, when you look at the map and I will post the map so you guys can actually see the burn area as well, but it looks kind of like a big open mouth, like almost like a gator. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have the two peninsulas and then like Peshtigo's on the upper peninsula. Okay. Um, <clears throat> And this is of Michigan. So it's like Wisconsin, northern northern Wisconsin and parts of Michigan is where it got it. Okay. Um, the largest community affected was Peshtigo, hence one of the reasons why they called it that um, in Wisconsin. It burned approximately 1.2 million acres. A lot of land. A lot of Just land. Just say that one more time. <laughs> 1.2 million acres. One million. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Definitely the largest fire that I've ever heard of. Holy right, the nay nay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's, it was a big one, like a real big one. Um, so it, it uh, it's the deadliest wildfire in history, um, with the estimated number of deaths between fifteen hundred and twenty five hundred. Now, there's going to be numbers all over the map because, again, this is earlier on in history. Mm-hmm. Um, the community that this occurred, um, there was a lot of building, uh, timber logging, uh, railroad development, etc. So because of that, there was a constant stream of people in and out of the city. So the census was never perfectly consistent, um, as well. So, mm-hmm. um, so those numbers vary quite, quite largely. Um, but to put this in perspective in terms of how big the fire was, the campfire that I did in episode three. Mm-hmm. Um, was on the same wiki list of of top fires in the U.S. and it was number thirteen. <sighs> and we all know how devastating that fire was. Huge, I mean, th- yeah. That was a huge and very devastating fire. It displaced many people. It killed a lot of wildlife. This fire was ten times worse. So this is the number one fire in history. Um, an accurate death toll has never been determined because all the local records were destroyed. That was the other reason there was an issue. Um, everything burned. Uh, it's estimated between 1,200 and 2,500 people lost their lives. Excuse me. Beer burp. You can leave that in if you want. Already. <laughs> uh, the 1873 report to the Wisconsin legislature listed 1,182 names of dead or missing residents. In 1870, the town of Pistigo had 1,749 residents. Um more than 350 bodies were buried in a mass grave, which there is a marker for that, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's near the church, um, which I think the foundation of the church or the church itself was the only thing that was left standing in the town of Pistigo. Um, but I'll get to that later. Um, primarily because so many people died that there was no one left alive to di- identify them. So that's why they took uh, the mass grave. Yeah. Um, it also left more than 1,500 people homeless. So Pistigo, even though it wasn't a very big city, again, you had a lot of transients that were coming in and out for work, um, and they had no place to live. There's, it, it was just done. Um, another 1,500 were seriously injured, and at least, and then, and I have another quote from a different side that said 3,000 were made homeless, and I think it took into account not only Peshtigo, but the other areas where the burn occurred. Oh, fair. So it yeah. actually was the rest of the, the, the affected areas also they yeah. were. That makes sense. Homeless. Property loss estimated conservatively, conservatively, at five million dollars, and this didn't include two million valuable trees and saplings and the scores of animals that were killed. So, eighteen seventy-one, five million. I think we're looking at I don't know, like fifty billion now. <laughs> I yeah, know. I don't even. It's like hey, hundred billion. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, oh, Siri actually popped up. Uh, did you say like, yeah, five girl, billion? Hey Siri. What would five billion? Oh God, fuck million. No, it's huh? five million. Yeah, <laughs> this is saints. Here, let, let, let me. <laughs> hey let Siri, me do... what would five million dollars be now if it was five million in eighteen seventy one? That was an awful way to say that. Did she say? Yeah, that does not help. Okay. Let me see. Anyways. Hey Siri, what's the value of five million dollars in eighteen seventy one now? Here's what I found. Inflation. Oh fuck. Thirty-five point seven million. I 
like it would be more than that, but holy I would think shit. it would be more too, but that's that's according to the first site listed. So yeah. it's like, holy shit balls, that's a lot of yeah. money. Yeah. Wow. Lot. That's a lot. And again, it says it didn't count the two million trees, because again, this was a logging community and all the animals. So there was a big farmland community as well. So excuse me, it doesn't count all that. You know, you're missing all of that as well. So it's like it's probably tenfold, you know, yeah. that whatever that was. So this fire was so intense that all traces of how, um, of some houses, churches, other buildings in Peshtigo were destroyed except for chimney bricks, foundation stones, and bits of melted metal. In places, fire was so hot that it turned sand in the streets into glass. Uh-huh. Many of the fatalities were recognizable only by charred bones with no trace of clothing or identification. So it was like literally hot, hot fire burning. Although I read an article somewhere and I don't think I cut and pasted it into my research, but they said it was such an unusual fire because it would burn and melt the metal somewhere, yet two feet away, paint wasn't even scorched. What? It's like that makes no sense. So That um, makes no sense at all. Right? And I'm like, how is this possible? I'll get into that. Uh, all I right. I was going to say, I did the inflation on one thing. Yeah. They wouldn't go as far back as 1871. So as far as I could go on this one is 1913. Okay. And that would cost $129 million. Okay. So we were way off. See, I said $100 million, didn't I? I think it's like thirty-five. <laughs> well, you said like five hundred. million. I think yours is dollars. closer. Tell you the truth, I think yours might be closer because you <laughs> – sounds weird. But like this is 1913. So go on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? It's like that's – it's a crazy amount of money. So occurring on the same day as the more – famous great Chicago fire. And then I have like in caps, what? Cause like <laughs> what this happened the same day. Uh, the Peshtigo fire has been largely forgotten, even though it killed far more people on the same day as the Peshtigo and Chicago fires, Holland and Manistee, Michigan, across Lake Michigan from Peshtigo and Port Huron at the Southern end of Lake Huron also had major fires leading to various theories by contemporaries and later historians that they had a common cause. So, um, it, the fire burned 16 other towns damage, of course, being the worst in Pichtigo's, hence the name, um, mm-hmm. the city of Pichtigo was gone in an hour, one hour. So like you think about the time to get out and prepare was like next to nothing. Yeah. So if you were, if you were fast, <laughs> you got the hell out. Um, and I'll tell you exactly what people did, but it was crazy. I mean, you had literally no time everything yeah. just exploded. Um, Deborah Anderson, an archivist for the University of Wisconsin Green Bay Area Research Center, said what most researchers find so fascinating about this is that the effect it the the fire had on people's lives, it was so horrific. Some people thought it was the end of the world. Um, and I have some interesting quotes from survivors um, that that do indicate that. They're like, the world is ending. Yeah. Get up. We got to get out. The world is ending. <laughs> Where the fuck are you going to go? Yeah. The world is ending. You have nowhere to go. I mean, um, I notice we're in hell right now. Can we do something about this? <laughs> what is what is that line from uh, Christmas Vacation? Ellen, have you looked around? We're in the seventh circle of hell right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was it. Um, so what led up to it? Uh, the summer of 1871 was extremely hot and dry, as we'll see in a lot of these, uh, these are big precursors for a lot of these fires that happen. Um, and then this is in the Northeast, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin and upper Michigan area. And also throughout the upper Midwest, um, farming and logging had cleared the hardwood and the white pine forests. Uh, the branches and other brush were burned or left in piles on the clear land. Railroads had cleared their rights of way and left brush branches and piles, um, which is all well and good, but uh, what would happen is the railroads would uh, be developed, they would be used, and as the rail cars went by, they would be um, sending sparks, locomotives. Oh, I sparks was thinking that. There. Yep. Yeah, and I was like, I have a feeling The sparks. piles left to the side, just bing. So there you go. Um, the industry in the area was based on wood products. So that particular area was huge for distributing lumber, shingles, baskets. So it created huge piles of bark and sawdust. Uh, most of the houses and other buildings were wood frames with wood siding and had wood shingle roofs. So um, in Peshtigo, it said even some of the sidewalks were made of wooden boards. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. That's kind of so, like a Seattle? Yeah. I think Seattle had some of the same things. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, sawdust and bark chips are used to control dust and mud in the unpaved streets as well. So pretty much it was an entire town made of wood. Yeah. Uh, they were screwed from fuel. the get-go. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Town of fuel. Uh, the fire spread north along Green Bay uh, to the Menominee River, burning several villages and part of the city of Marinette, uh, north past Marinette, up the shore of Green Bay, more than halfway to Escanaba, uh, Michigan, along the South Green Bay, past Little Somico. Somico. I'm going to pronounce a lot of shit wrong because these are all old Indian names. Yeah. Um, nearly to the village of Howard and east across Door County to the Lake of Michigan. The fire, uh, the spread of the fire, slowed as it reached Green Bay and Lake Michigan, and then the rain began uh, began coming down. So it's like that also slowed the fire at that time. Thank um, God. The the crazy part about this is that it jumped it jumped a river. And I've seen fires jump rivers, but because of the winds, they said like literally not just like embers, but balls of fire were being carried over the river. I'm like, what? shit. That's I not know. normal. No, no. Why? Why? So um, the weather uh, was a huge input uh, into this fire. Prolonged widespread drought, high temperatures, kept off by a cyclonic storm that happened in early October. So um, all of these things created uh, a very nice environment for it. Farming, mm-hmm. the clearing of the hardwood um, for farm crops, and the slash and burn method again left a lot of brush um, for burning. Uh, the logging slash from the huge virgin pine forests intentionally burned or left in piles, um, creating tinder for forest fires. Mm-hmm. Railroads, same thing. The rights away left by the wayside, the dry weather, the spark igniting the grass. Um, the sawmills, the factories. Yeah. So, so many things contributed to the, the, the burning of this town. Um, it's called the Peshtigo Fogger because about 800 of those who died were in Peshtigo, about half the population of the 1870 census. Again, that's not completely accurate because Mm -hmm. it was old news and transients. And then of course everything was burnt. So complicating factors, uh, the Peshtigo Fire Company had only a single horse-drawn steam pumper to protect the houses and small factories near the river. Mm-hmm. Not, a, not a volunteer fire department, no cars, no, no, no multiple carts, no multiple employees. It was a cart, a man, a hose, the river. It was That's the neighbor. It. I mean, to be fair, it's a, it a tiny, it or is a not town. tiny, but it's a small town. But It is a small town, but made out of the, wood. the fact that, yeah, exactly. The fact that it's made <laughs> out of wood, it's like, so, I don't know. I just, sometimes I'm like, you know, the kind of slap in the forehead, like, what are you thinking? You know? Yeah. Is what it is. Uh, it was ineffective, of course, against the fire storm, uh, fire, fire, forest fire, and firestorm that did wipe out the village. Um, there was no other organized fire protection between the city of Gray Bay, Green Bay, and Marinette. So there was nothing else between those two areas. And Green Bay was much bigger, Marinette was much bigger, but they didn't have anything between there that could have put that fire out or helped them that day. Mm-hmm. On the day of the Pishtigo fire, a cold front moved in from the west, bringing strong winds that fanned the fires out of control and escalated them to massive proportions. And what they call a firestorm ensued. Uh, in the words of Gesson Lutz, a firestorm is a superheated is superheated flames of at least two thousand degrees Fahrenheit. So this explains the kind of like melting and like the amount of destruction. Mm-hmm from that fire. Cause it was the intent, the intensity of the heat was very, it was incredible. Um, advance on winds of 110 miles per hour or stronger. The diameter of such a fire ranges from 1000 to 10,000 feet. When a firestorm erupts in a forest, it's a blow up. It's what they call nature's nuclear explosion. Holy shit. Just kaboom, you know, like yeah. out of control, fast, really, really hot burning. Just it's hell. It's hell. Like instantaneous, I mean, that sounds like too. Most hell, like- spontaneous combustion of a city. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I mean, when you said firestorm, like, yeah, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> no. And you know what's funny? Is it, I, I remember during the campfires, they talked about how they saw, and they filmed, um, fire natos. And they're oh. like, oh my God, this is the first time this ever, it's not the first time it occurred. There was fire natos here. It did occur. And they, they go on record as being witnessed during yeah. this particular event. So why didn't they just record it in 1871 with their wooden phones? God, I don't know. I mean, what the hell, Apple? You had God. orchards. Like God, come phone. on. <laughs> um, so I think it was funny because there is a, a wild speculation out there mm-hmm. that actually got quite a bit of notoriety. 
Um, it was first suggested in 1883, so um, about 12, 13 years later, um, that the occurrence, because of it happening in Peshtigo and Chicago and several other cities on the same day, they were like, this isn't a coincidence. You know, it's not like a railroad happened to be going by and spark here and spark here and spark here. And you know what I mean? Yeah. They said, um, on the, the, because all the fires that occurred in Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, et cetera, on the same day were caused by fragments from Biela's Comet. Uh, the theory was revived in a 1985 book, which actually I kind of want to read. Um, and studied in a 1997 documentary and investigated in 2004 paper um, of the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics. Scientists with expertise in the area, though, argue that meteorites cannot ignite a fire as they are cold to the touch when they reach Earth's surface and that they have never been, uh, has never been a credible report of a fire having been started by a meteorite. And so I think, like, basically what it is is when you see a meteorite coming into the atmosphere, you see a tail, and you see it on fire, right? Can't be a comet, like not happening. So comets, yes, fire behind them. But once they come through the atmosphere, the fire is extinguished. And then it's just basically like this ball of rock that just lands mm-hmm. somewhere. So um, not really a thing. But I find it hilarious that like they did several studies years and years and years later and like mm-hmm. wrote a book on it and then made like a documentary and they're like, oh, it was a comet. It's happened, you know? So um, the fire has been thought to have caused smire, uh, small fire, been been caused by small fires used for land clearing that blew out of control. So um, similar to, and this again reminded me of that movie that I just watched. They, they put it and they do, they do it in Oregon. They do it in California. They call it control burn. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they put little small fires everywhere so that they would be able to prevent the larger forest fires. Yeah. And it got out of hand, wind blew and shit got out of control. So uh, a Marinette paper headline from October 14th, 1871. Holocaust of flame, Pashtigo annihilated, 500 lives lost, farming community ruined, whole families burned to death, $2 million worth of property destroyed. It's like, that's news. But again, Chicago Chicago just overlooked, you know, they just overshadowed it. Yeah. Um, the Pashtigo Fire Museum was located on the site of the Catholic church that Father Pernan lost in the fire. So there's a lot of... Um, I don't want to say documentary footage, but like um, quotes and whatnot mm-hmm. from Father uh, Pernan because he lived through it. Um, the building itself was the first church rebuilt in Peshtigo after the fire, but it's not the original. It's not original to the site. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually the former congregational church, which has moved across the river after the Catholic church was destroyed by the fire. Um, and there was another fire in 1927. So they're like, okay, fucking move the church. <laughs> Uh, when St. Mary Parish later built a new church on Ellis Avenue, the building was acquired by Peshtigo Historical Society, and then it became home to the Peshtigo Fire Museum. So there actually is a museum for the fire, which is, I okay. think, is super cool. Yeah, um, that's something that we would go to. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> go check it out and be like, oh my God, we're going to Peshtigo. We're going to do a live yeah. show, and then we're going to talk about your fire. And yeah. Yeah. I think, it, I think it's amazing um, that they did that. And I think, again, part of it was because it's the largest in history. It wiped out a complete town within an hour. I mean, it was so, it was so devastating, but it was also so memorable. And I don't mm-hmm. think they wanted to forget that. And they kind of felt like they wanted to, um, to, to say, you know, hey, we're going to recognize this occurred. And I think it's fabulous to have it. Yeah, it's good. Um, due to the near total devastation of the village in the fall of 1871, the museum has only a few artifacts salvaged from the fire. Mm-hmm. Notable among them, the tabernacle that Father Pernan rescued from his church. Mm-hmm. Aww. Mm-hmm. Uh, the remainder of the collection is devoted to the whole of the area's history and consists of many interesting items. So they, they pulled, um, a lot of other items from the town after the fire yeah. occurred that just kind of talk about the town's history and stuff. So I thought that was kind of nice. Cool. I'm glad they saved yeah, some stuff. For sure. Um, the Peshtigo fire cemetery adjoining the museum, um, contains the graves of the fire victims as well as others. The last burial there was in 1916. So they were still finding bodies um, until then. I was like, Oh damn. So well, I mean, uh, how many millions again, like uh, yeah. 1.2 million acres. Mm-hmm. And even just in that area. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a lot of ooh. land to cover. And it's like, you think about it, it's like people are farming and yeah. And not only that. So again, I'll talk to you a little bit about like how people avoided the fire. So yeah. Um, the museum, uh, let's see. So it's open for Memorial Day through October 8th each year and is staffed entirely by volunteers. Mission is free. Unless um, it's course, this year. Um, what? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Memorial Day. I was like, oh, fuck. Um, okay. 
So there were 11,555 visitors to the museum in 2000, representing yeah. all 50 United States, D.C., and 22 foreign countries. 31 group tours were conducted. So I thought it was like, that's pretty cool. This that's gets really a lot cool. of notoriety, right? Yeah. So I think it's great. Uh, the fire concluded when it reached the waters of Green Bay. At the time, the winds died down and the rain started to fall, which did end the fire officially. Um, I thought this was kind of a neat little piece of um, a trivia, but... It, it's a really interesting fact. Governor mm-hmm. Lucius Fairchild was already en route to Chicago with supplies to help the survivors of the Chicago fire. Mm-hmm. And when his wife, Frances, heard the news, she stopped the train car. It was loaded with food and supplies for Chicago. She rerouted it to Pichotigo. Wow. Because it's like she knew that Chicago fire had – it was across the country. People knew about it. They're going to be sending stuff there. Yep. It's a bigger city. They're going to have the support. They're going to have the monies to make up for the losses. Peshtigo is a small farming community and logging community. So she's like, no, turn around and give it to them. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Again, a woman. Hello. Hey. <laughs> she coordinated a blanket drive in Madison and sent the bedding to Peshtigo. Peshtigo. I don't know if it's Tigo or Tigo. Um, yeah. Appeals to the nation from the governor resulted in great quantities of food and supplies. So I think that's amazing. Yeah. That the governor, again, was aiming things toward Chicago. And there was like, no, 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 wait. The, this this is a bigger deal. The whole city was wiped out. So yeah. Um, irony on October eighth each year, Pashtigo Historical Society marks the anniversary of the file with a special candlelight service. <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> I think that's, that's the best choice. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's uh, yeah, a little okay. ironic, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think like the the social use of ironic, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, kind of, kind of insulting. Yeah. Hey, kind, let's I, there's another word too. And hold them in our hands. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, there is another word. And I can't find it, but I'm like, what uh, the fuck? <laughs> counterintuitive. Um, yeah. Just, I was uh, like, that's I went the word. I went light fires in light of a memory of, of a, a fire. fire. Triggering just, just might me. be the word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Triggering, triggering is coming up again. <laughs> um, the public is welcome to attend. Um, and yeah, so, um, they do it from the church. Um, and it's kind of like this big ordeal. So, um, so anyway, uh, I was going to say that, uh, the, let me go here, open link. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how people survived, um, they would, um, again, they would hear or feel or see that things were burning around them and they made a beeline for the river. Okay. And as they would do this, it's, it's October, it's chilly in Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan. So the river's really cold. So you had a handful of people that did die from hypothermia. Um, Mm -hmm. but a couple of the witnesses talked about how, when they were in the river, they still had to continually fan their heads and splash water around them because fire was just flying, literally Mm -hmm. flying across the river, um, at crazy speeds. And it, it just absolutely nuts. So I read a couple of firsthand victim stories. Yeah. And uh, let's see. So this first one's from Wesley Duquette. When balls of fire started coming down from the sky, told you, balls, not ashes, not embers, <laughs> balls of fire, my mother and father took us to the spring and wrapped us in wet quilts. Um, they lived in an area called Sugarbush, another, uh, another one of the cities that was highly affected. Yeah. Um, it was five miles. Very familiar. Yeah, five miles from this place called Harmony Corners. My sister saved the sewing machine by wrapping it up too. We had a team of oxen. One of them stayed at it with us at the spring. The other strayed away and burned. Aww. We had a shed of colts and you could hear them thrashing as they burned. My brother <sighs> wanted to open the door, but my sister was afraid he would burn to death too. Yeah. So they were like, no, get out. Leave the, you got to leave them. So, it's just uh, so do- like fast. Yeah. 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 Duquette said he would never forget the events that took the plate took place that morning. My mother and father were temporarily blind. And I read a lot about this and I have to do a little more research. I don't know why people go blind from fire. And heat I don't know if it has smoke. to do with the smoke or the heat. Yeah. But I had to do some research on that because I wasn't really sure. And I didn't get a chance to jump into that a little bit more, but he was one of many, including father Pernan that went temporarily blind. Huh. They did get their sight back. Yeah. Um, but they were kind of like how you're blind. Not supposed to look at the sun, maybe something like yeah, that. Yeah, like it burns your retina, and then you know what I mean. Like there yeah. is some t- permanent damage, but it was like there's some temporary. So which is yeah, great blindness. So I'm not really sure, oh, but I feel like it might be the heat. Yeah. Um. 
I went to see Ms. Reinhardt, our neighbor, and I found her dead. I liked her a lot, and that really hurt me. Her shawl had not completely burned, and I took the corner that was left and kept it with me for many years. Sweet baby angel. You know, I was like, oh, my God. Um, I read his, and I was just, I randomly picked another one. And the interesting thing is, you're going to die when you you see this. This, You're going to die. So let me pull it up. So this is um, Survivor Amelia DeRochers. That there's, it's, it's D E S R O C H E R S. So I think that at the first S is silent. Cause like there's a lot okay. of French up in that area. So DeRoche. Yeah. <laughs> so wake up. The end of the world is coming. Miss Amelia Stoney DeRocher. I don't know why they call her Stoney. Recalled <laughs> her mother shouting when she was only five years old. The blaze reached their home about 9 PM. There had been fires all along. The men had been fighting them. One night, a terrible windstorm came and the sky got very red. This looks, this reminds me 100% of campfires and what the pictures that we saw. It looked yeah. like we were driving through hell. Yeah. Um, a lot of people perished because they thought it was the end of the world. They got tired of fighting and gave up. Uh, I mean, if you if you look around and all you see is fire, what do you do? You know? You, I mean, end of the world. Where are you yes, going to run? Even if it's not end of the world, there are times... I think listeners probably get what we're getting to where like the intensity, yeah. how fast it was going. Like right. they probably didn't have they anywhere just to up. They go. were like, we, what are we going to do? You know imagine I mean? that heat and that, that smoke like together, even that, like even I without mean, the physical in a, burning in the fire. You're in a cyclonic storm. Yeah. So it's just everywhere. It's everywhere. I think people um, don't realize how hot fire gets when it's in, when it, when it's that big too. Cause I can't. I can't get it. And I know. People I complain about 90 degree temperatures. I'm like, dude, you're sweating. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> your, your flesh isn't melting off of your face. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, uh, but her family would not give up the fight. Her mother woke up the children and the derachers remembered putting on their shoes for getting her stockings. When we went out, the wind was blowing and the sand was blowing so hard that it punched my limbs, she said. People told us to go to the river. A man at the bridge ordered us to get aboard a flat bottom barge in the river. But as the boat traveled, it caught fire and many jumped out and drowned. Derocher remember telling her mother as she looked out the boat's window, look, it's snowing fire three miles out of the bay. Sorry, what? Snowing fire? Snowing. Oh, it's ash. Oh. Yeah. Ashes or fire. the fires actually Embers. falling because of the balls. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, on our way back after the fire died down, we passed a place where there were many dead people laid out on blankets by the riverbank. Can you imagine a five-year-old mm. seeing this? It's insane. Aww. Um, beside them was a little baby crying. I'll never forget that. Someone took like, that baby, but I hope oh my so. God, they had, um, oh my God. Isn't this crazy? A five-year-old. This is a description coming from a five-year-old. Oh um, Cher lived her entire life in the Pistigo area. So she stayed there. Oh, wow. uh, she and another survivor, Wesley Duquette. And I picked this at random. So the two of them, I was like, holy crap, spent their last years at the Uckland convalescent home and occasionally met to reminisce. Oh, I was like, oh my God. I'm like literally crying right now. I was like, yeah. oh my God. They're trying to I'm make like, us cry. That is so stinking sweet. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, the two of them would reminisce about the fire. I'm like, that's incredible. So, um, one of the other things they had in this, in this, um, so this is actually uh, part of PestigoFireMuseum.com, one of the sites that I did mm-hmm. use. Um, they have list of persons that were burned in Brussels, burned at burned, uh, Lincoln, uh, the list of dead in the Peshtigo area. So they actually have a list of them. So if you were going to be doing a genealogical research or something like that, you could actually find this information, which I thought was amazing. Mm-hmm. So Peshtigo has done an, an incredible job of detailing the lives lost that they knew of and their community history and preserved it so well um, by using the, this fire, you know? Um, so I thought it was absolutely incredible, incredible, um, uh, good Samaritans, lots and lots of good Samaritans. Um, the family of J E Beeb and his wife and four children were running for the river, both parents and three of the children were struck down by the flames, but the four year old daughter was unhurt. She was seen and snatched up by a cobbler, Fred goose who carried her to the river. She clung to his shoulders while he found some protection in the deep water. His face and neck were burned, but the child was unharmed. This child's mother was the daughter of Governor Henry P. Baldwin of Michigan. When he came to Peshtigo to claim his granddaughter, he heard the story of his rescue of her rescue. In gratitude, he gave Goose five hundred dollars, enough money in those days, so he was able to establish a business in Chicago. 
Governor oh Baldwin God. also I know, right? I was like, it's amazing. Um, Governor Baldwin also saw areas of his state burn on the same day as Bashiga's fire on both sides of the state. Twenty-three townships had burned, another eighteen were partially destroyed. Holland, Manistee, Port Huron, four thousand square miles, yada yada yada. So um, you know, again, good Samaritan stuff occurred a lot. See, being a real community that made me think of uh, Damba. I was, you know, reading comments on a news article, and it was about people being really upset about unemployment. And one of the comments was like, she was worried for her son and daughter in law and like being evicted and stuff. And she didn't know all the information that like evictions are being put or, you know, uh, the stop on evictions are being pushed and stuff and resources. So, two people commented on her post really just like really simple and like not attacking her but just being like yeah. oh have has he checked this out here's this information blah blah and the lady who uh, the original poster was like thank you so much i told him about them he didn't know about all these things like i really appreciate it and like i don't know nice. it was just like feel good and i was like this is yeah. the most wholesome like while well, everyone's complaining rightfully so about not getting yeah. unemployment but it was just community helping community and i'm yeah. really into that and it, oh, the feels I know. I know. And it's like, you, you could actually see that this was happening here. And I think that's amazing. Um, there was another one. Let's see. Hold on. Henry Blakeman lived with his wife and six children in lower sugar bush. There was no steam nearby stream nearby. So when the fire approached, he gathered his family in the middle of his clearing. They were joined by the neighbors, eight children as well. Henry Bartels believed a larger clearing at the Bakeman, uh, the Bakeman farm would provide better protection for his children. Bigman mm-hmm. told everyone to lie down, and with his hands, he covered his wife and all 14 children with soil except for their faces. Then he hit the ground and covered himself as much as possible. His resourcefulness saved the lives of his family's and neighbors' children. Again, wow. reminding me of the movie because what they do is when, I mean, granted, the fire was so hot and so violent that they didn't survive even in those little foil blankets. So they had these blankets and they basically cover. They dig yeah. a bunch of soil out so they can breathe. Um, but this saved their lives. So that is amazing. And then they got a wagon and they took the survivors to the local hospital. So lots of really great feel good um, stories, the victims of this fire, but that's the Pashtigo fire. That is the worst fire in history. So if we do any fires here to forward until something worse comes along, which hopefully it doesn't, um, that's, that's the worst in in us history. So pretty intense. Yeah. That's intense. It was, it was again, again, my, my jaws dropped. Brett likes to do this to me where she tells <laughs> a story and I just go, how what? The whole time. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Excuse yeah. me. 1.2 million. I'm not stuck on that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like I said, you know, it, the amount of land burned, the amount of cities and it's shocking. And it, the, the weird part is you don't hear it. You don't hear it. It was yeah. completely overshadowed by Chicago fire, which a lot of people know about. Yeah. You know, oh, the Great Chicago Fire, 1871. Yep, yep, know yep. that one. Yep. You're like, yeah, but did you hear about the bigger one? Yeah. And people were like, wait, what? Oh, my so, God. Yeah, pretty cool. I was I was actually super stoked to do that. And again, I did it because I'm like, okay, we're right smack in the heart of fire season. Um, I think that, uh, you know, you guys were probably going to do another collab where we talk about um, safety, where yeah. we did uh, last year in the winter where we talked about how do you protect yourself in a blizzard. Our- LLDD, the learn li- or listen, listen learn, learn, do or die. Yes. Yep. Yep. So we'll do another LLDD, mm-hmm. uh, uh, double L, double D, uh, yep. episode. We have some where... stuff in the works for our listeners about for sure. sources and stuff yeah. that they're going to be getting with those too. Yeah, absolutely. Places that you yeah. can look up online, purchase things from, yeah. uh, ask questions, write to people, whatever the case may be. But um, we definitely want to make sure that we provide you guys with a lot of information when we talk about certain disasters. And again, since we're sort of right in the heart of fire season, July 4th is this weekend. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Be cautious. Be cautious. Be careful. I think it's a good reminder to have like, hey, by the way, don't forget about this also. Yep. Um, Yep. Speaking about things being overshadowed, Mm. mine is about Mm. something that recently happened and was kind of overshadowed and I heard about it and I know some people have, but I think the pandemic overshadow it. Okay. So I'm going to talk about the, what one person labeled it as the 500 year flood. A lot of my story is based in Midland and Midland and surrounding areas. It's uh-huh. about 140 miles Northwest of Detroit. So it's in Michigan. Okay. Um, it's on the, oh God, we both said Michigan. Yeah. Oh my Ish. God. We did that. It's like the area. <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. realize that. 
uh, I should have looked up how to say this. Uh, the Titaba Aussie, you know, I should probably look up how to pronounce this because this is like, it. it's the thing. It's the crux. Yeah. It's, I kept meaning to, but it's like T-I-T-T-A-B-A-W-A. So to be fair, up in the Northeast and the Midwest, there is still a lot of Native American names. Yeah. To cities, rivers, counties, whatever. And it's not easy to pronounce. No. And that, because some of them have French influence too. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, oh God, now what do I, you know what I mean? Got random S's in there. Yeah. Do I say that? Do I not? I don't know. Oh, here's a click on Detroit one. Click on Detroit. What are you doing? I need you to say it. Hold on. (laughs) Oh, like where you can just be like, say this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Siri had to say it. Titi Biwasi. Tit. Let me let me see it. Oh wait, the original. Well, I think it might have both. I can't tell if it. Titabawasi. 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 Because that upside upside down e is uh. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, Titabawasi. Oh, is this one that? Titabawasi River. Titabawasi. Nice. Hey! I, I was going to say, watch used... everybody write in and be like, Brett, you're fucking wrong. That upside down E doesn't sound like that. <laughs> well, it's kind of like, I think we've talked this before, but I grew up in Paso Robles, which my favorite murder was talking about recently. I'm like catching up on episodes. Uh, uh, me too. I don't know. It was funny because I was listening to it and Georgia was talking about her honeymoon and she's like, oh yeah, we got married in San Luis Obispo and then we had our honeymoon yeah. in Paso Robles. And I opened the door and I was like, Caleb, who the hell has a honeymoon in Paso Robles? <laughs> Mind you, we call it Paso Robles. It is Paso yeah. Robles. Uh, yeah. El Paso de Robles. Um, we call it Paso Robles. I know. It's I'm, awful. And, we we and no, it. Honestly, most of society calls it Paso Robles. So yeah. you're fine. You're fine. All right. So we might have to keep me accountable, make sure I keep saying it right. So okay. on May walk. 17th of this year, 2020, a storm okay. came into the area and started to downpour, filling the streets and river. This conveyor belt storm continued on through Sunday and Monday, and it added four to seven inches to the area. So Midland County Central Dispatch issued alert at 1222 a.m. on Tuesday, May 19th, stating residents in the um, Edenville Township needed to leave their homes due to immediate dam failure at uh, immediate. Oh, my God. Not not that it did. The, The fact that it could fail. (laughs) <laughs> due to possible dam failure is what I'm trying okay, to say. Okay, you know what's crazy? Huh. 12 what? 12.22. A.M. Yeah. In the middle of the night. Yeah. When everybody's sleeping. Yeah. Who's going to get that? Yeah. Well, sometimes your phone might do that really loud, like, <laughs> whatever it does when you get, like, some Oh, yeah, so everybody's got the cell phone Amber Alerts and shit, but still, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're half asleep. Yeah. You know? Well, and it's that thing where they got four to five or four to seven inches in the, like, in like two days, essentially. Yeah. And now yeah. they're like, oh shit. Like it's really bad. Yeah. Uh, now it's so they, yeah. And they're, so they're saying this out like, Hey, the dam might fail. So you should probably get out. Uh, and they did that for people who lived um, along Sanford Lake and Wixon Lake. And so they asked everyone to vacate their homes and head to shelters immediately. Okay. So nothing's broken yet. They're just like, hey, it's raining a whole bunch. Things are flooding. So 10,000 people evacuated from Midland, which is about a fourth of their population because they have a little bit okay. over 40,000. This wow. is, um, they also evacuated pe- people from nearby. So there was up to 12,000 people that were evacuated. So was this, um, this was a mandatory or not mandatory? You know, I couldn't figure out if it was mandatory or not. I think it was very, because there are people who stuck behind anyway. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like, it, I mean, if only one quarter of the population left, it sounds like it was kind of like an optional. They're like, hey, we're recommending. Well, I think it depends where you were because the city is right on the river. Okay. And so there's a chance, and there is higher up land. So uh, not okay. the whole gotcha. city was in danger, it sounds it. like. I, I didn't okay. really do the topological and it's like, oh, but at least 10,000 people were asked to evacuate uh, in Midland itself and then more people along. Okay. Um, and especially those that were by the dams, I think was Got the it. thing. So um, those who evacuated retreat to friends and family's homes as well as shelters quickly put together at school gyms. Mm-hmm. Mind you, 
COVID is still present. So it's difficult to safely shelter in place due to this. Yep. So they did what they could, but this caused extra dangers to those who were immunocompromised and elderly. Oh um, oh. um, among the evacuation, uh, that included at least one nursing home and at least one retirement home. So That's and those were going probably to the, um, the gym. So it's just, yeah, yeah. extra danger on top wow. of danger. Jesus. So yeah, I, I was thinking that I was like, oh shit, this is really scary for a lot of those people because that means Jesus. COVID could like spread really easily. Yeah. So um, at the banks of the river is where the Dow chemical complex is. So mm. Dow is where plastic goods like ceram wrap is made and where they also do chemical production like Agent Orange. Oh, so shut up. This complex oh. is already known as an environmental uh environmental polluter and it's one of like a well-known cleanup space uh cleanup areas you know how we were talking about the cleanup areas yeah uh they've had that done already so um that's not good from e stewards uh which is a site that i reference uh the quote says dow chemicals responsible for polluting 52 miles of these waterways with dioxins uh dioxins known to cause cancer and diabetes are unsafe yep. even at very low levels because they build up in humans and wildlife over time yeah so um dow's contamination has affected this particular site for 20 years oh my god so uh, dioxide contamination can cause damages to immune system diabetes like said repu- uh reproduction Oh my God, reproductive issues, development Jesus. issues, and of course, no surprise, cancer, because yeah. always, because they're toxins. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> I had to keep to make sure I was saying toxins and not chemicals because, like, everything's a chemical. It's a, yeah, it's different. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so the water at this point has reached their stormwater spillover at the Dow complex. So that's oh, kind of like good. their safety area. Okay. We're at the beginning of the story. And the water's oh already reached that. <laughs> so it's kind of oh like, God. oh, God. Oh, God. Oh God. Um, That's so, good. yeah. So on the 19th, um, the New York Times says at 7 p.m. Tuesday, Edenville fails the dam. It was a yeah. bust. Okay, that was my word. It was a bust. Sorry. That was, that was a really bad pun. <laughs> it was uh, a bust. <laughs> it's been so long since I could be jokes. punny behind a mic. A mic. So... The National Weather Service issued a flash flood warning for Eden Dam and Sanford Dam, uh, which failed. So Eden, Sanford, and Minlan was ecu- was evacuated for the second time because they did the evacuation and then they did it again. Jesus. Yeah. So um, there is a video, which I will be posting, of the actual dam break for Edenville, which is fucking crazy to watch. So I kind of tried I'm, to describe I'm it. I'm going to look at it right now. Edenville oh, yeah, dam break. Um, it's like a camera video, uh, phone video, and they had it like cut right to the point. So you see the green grassy hill side that is on the side of the dam in the middle of the slope. You see a chunk of earth slide down. And a few seconds later, you uh, see water starting to spray through the new break. And it takes a moment. Like it slides, like there's a little mini, I don't think it's that many, but looks mini. Oh my God. Are you watching it? Oh my God. Wow. That's like a bubble, like a bubble of like, like the greenery just boom. Yeah. It just like push and slid down and then more water starts coming out and then it gets and more and more powerful. It's gushing now. Yeah. Okay. Now it's gushing. Oh yeah. So when you first watch it, it kind of looks like a mud river that's coming yeah. out and it's pushing yeah. out. And then all of a sudden you'll see water gushing out of this new made hole. It is crazy. Like it is so intense looking. So we'll post that. Um, in the wow. description so you can watch it. It's a really short video, but you have to keep watching it after the initial break, the, ni- the initial failure. Holy shit balls. Just so you know, you're going to get real angry about this soon. Oh yeah. I already uh, am. So <laughs> I was yeah. involved. I already am. <laughs> oh yeah. So, um, news reports said that at one point, nearly 374 thousand gallons which is about half of the volume of olympic size swimming pool per second were rushing through the edmund dam oh edmundville dam edmundville. edville yeah yeah Ed- edmundville 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 sorry guys it's edenville edmundville and it actually yeah. it looks like it affected other it, it affected other dams yeah uh the it's like a trickle down yeah yeah 
because Jesus. they're like kind of connected. So, um, so first day, the river is flooding the city. Evacuations are put into place. Yep. Good chance some toxins are going to be added to the water. Yep. And it's mid-pandemic. Okay, good. So a little bit of everything. I mean, you know, I, I, is this around the time of the murder hornets? Because then we could throw the murder hornets in there. The murder hornets? No. Why not? Why yeah, not? why not? The plot hole of Just 2020. The plot thickens. Where is that? Those murder. Oh, yeah, it can could hear, be for can you sure. Hear the sirens? I, yeah, it's those murder hornets. Every goddamn day. It's, <laughs> it never stops. You're moving soon. Thank God. <sighs> okay. Um, oh, so water pushes through all night. Sanford Dam is not strong enough to hold the water properly from the lake, and it leaks out some of its contents. Uh, the quote says, water was flowing over the earthen embankment of Sanford Dam after Edenville failure set a torrent of water into Sanford Lake. So yeah. a hole formed at the dam's bridge Thursday, May 21st, causing the water to flow freely from the lake. Jesus, that's the day before my birthday. Woo! Uh, so they don't really talk about May 20th, but there's still some rain. Water's still flowing, of course, and the flood's happening. And it's being pushed to Sanford, uh, which isn't very far from Midland. And so Sanford failed. It didn't have the same breach or the, I guess, breach that yeah. Edenville did, but it had cracks and breaks and it was also. Okay. So the river was 10 feet above flood levees at or flood levels at... 34.72 on Wednesday, which was the 20th. So Jesus. dam owner, Boyce Hydropower, have been asked to update the Edenville Dam as far back as 16 years ago. In 2004, they were told to comply and they would need that they would need to either have a bigger spillway or a better protection from overtopping. It was estimated to only being able to hold 50% of the flood floodwater of a major flood event. Oh my God. So 16 years, they were like, dude, you need to do something. Yeah. Then in 2018, Edenville's dam's license was taken away by the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission due to a few problems, including the longstanding failure to increase the project's spillway capacity to safety past flood flows. Oh, shit. So, boys yeah. fucking Are, fucked up. Already in trouble. Oh, yeah. Damn. Um, so, MLive says some residents have temporarily lost access to public utilities in the wake of the flooding. Thousands lost power and yep. many lost natural gas services in Midland, in, uh, in Midland and Saginaw counties. Hundreds oh. of cents. Or- I was going to say, am I correct in like, so when something like this occurs, the power companies and gas companies have to turn everything off, correct? Possibly, yeah. I think they might have to because the pain where they are, but yeah. the water is not there anymore. I think it's the damage. Okay, so it's mitigation of risk. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so thousands lost power, many lost natural gas services in Midland and Saginaw counties, and hundreds of Sanford area residents still had no phone or internet services as of June fifth. Oh, jeez. So just a few weeks ago. Damn. Um, in Gladwin, That's a long time to go without. Oh my God! Yeah, and so this happened mid or towards the end, like mid uh, May nineteenth. When the pandemic yeah. was starting to scare us too. And then, yeah. uh, I mean, when I mean, you can't go out and you later. can't do anything and it's like most places are shut down. It's like, yeah. Could you imagine not having power, gas or internet and no phone lines for people who need phone lines? Like that's during a pandemic. No, during a pandemic. <laughs> no, you can't charge your phone. Absolutely you don't not. have power. That's awful. Hopefully you have that's a generator. Awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jesus. It's completely fucked. So in Gladwin County, 300 homes no longer have access to well water. Another, oh. a very, very big necessity. At yeah. least 2,300 homes were damaged. Some of them wow. are going to be condemned because some of them were pushed off the foundations. I'm sure. The reason why it was called 500 year flood is because something yeah. like this happens every 500 years. And so the mayor is like, oh, wow, like, you know, we're in the middle of a hundred year pandemic. And then the 500-year flood, and it topped the, like, which was, I guess, 500 years ago, the most high, the highest amount of flood levels that they've ever had since wow. that one, like, 500 years ago. Something like that. Of course. So. I mean, I, I, I have no doubt that this is just the beginning 
this is the tip of the iceberg in terms of whether, you know, I think, I think you and I picked a good podcast to yeah. do because we are definitely not in a shortage of weather events right now. Oh my gosh. And I don't think that we're going to continue to have a shortage. I think it's going to continue to get worse. Oh yeah. We're going to see floods get higher. We're going to see earthquakes get stronger. We're going to see storms have higher wind speeds. You know, there's going to oh be God. consecutively more damage each time. You know, it's like, I feel you know, like especially things that are related to the climate change that we have going on that, yep. especially the hurricanes and certain types of storms and when yeah. fires because of the fuel and then the winds and, you know, like, exactly. Yeah. We're going to see more. It's, yeah. It's crazy. And they were talking about like, you could see pictures and videos they have. I'll hopefully we'll remember to post this, but it's like before and after and their little picture slides. So you could see. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've after. seen those. Yeah. Those are great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's like someone's house that's like completely filled up. People were like on their rooftops hanging out. It yeah. was kind of reminiscent of uh, Hurricane Katrina. Some of that imagery, yeah. not as long, um, right? but a similar kind of story with the dams breaking. Theirs were levees. These are dams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they also, I will do Hurricane Katrina at some point. I keep saying that, but it's yeah. going to be a heavy episode. And Same. I was that's in like me South. with the yeah. Dust Bowl, girl. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be a two episode. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should do it when we know Yeah. Uh, we're going to both do them. <laughs> so the five counties assess damage to more than 300 and Sorry, uh, five counties assessed damage to more than 3,700 properties to the tune wow. of more than 190 million in estimated <gasps> private losses. Bridges and roadways were ruined oh. that could cost $10 million to repair. Some of them are still out. Some bridges, mm. like homes, businesses, there are sinkholes, which you would love, I know. Um, yes. Like in the streets, it's, it's crazy. People are Jesus. experiencing this right now. So um, this happened very recently. So information and damages estimates will continue um, to come through. And there have been many suits filed against um, Boyd or Boyce. I think it's Boyce. Hydro power or it could be void anyways um so a lot of lawsuits against them the state i think the city but definitely the people who own that dam so i did say i have a something to donate or if you want to donate so since this is a current event happening um and we're trying to share more nonprofits and such you can go to reliefmidland.org Again, nice. reliefmidland, one word, dot org, and donate there. It tells you what they're looking for, what they need. Some of it's local, and some of it looks like you can actually donate money um, directly to them. It, That's great. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I was trying to find to make sure it was, like, legit source. It looks very legit. Look, you know, I was looking yeah. through it. It looks good. Yeah, so we I do We do our that. best to do our research to make sure that these are legitimate sources and that you yeah. can um, actually some gain yeah, exactly. So you can actually have um, documentation for tax purposes or whatever the case may yeah. be, but it's actually a legitimate site. So we do our due diligence to make sure that that occurs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that'll be say, posted. Before yeah. donating to uh, GoFundMes, make sure, or any other kind of like basic fundraiser, yes, totally donate to them, but do your research. make sure it's the right <laughs> one because people make fake ones. They do. They make a lot of money. And so you want to make sure- like there's up one society, for, people. Yes, there's one for Elijah McLean that's out right now that, like, I know there's probably fake ones. There's always fake ones that come out. So just always. make sure you're donating yeah. to the right one that's actually going to the family or, you know, the people that's supposed to. Um, exactly. I was going to tell Brett real quick about the, in like two seconds, that there was a sinkhole that someone posted about that I saved the post because I want to send it to you. A sinkhole Ooh. that sunk into a cave. <gasps> a, what looks like a man made cave under Ooh. like the house and stuff that's like, you can walk through the cave and there's a car in the cave that I'm guessing was a sinkhole car. Like it fell in cause the way it's yeah. in there. Yeah. I'm going to send it to you. It is That's impressive. fascinating. Yeah. Um, it, I, it, it's not a sinkhole, but uh, definitely man-made caves are a thing. And AJ yeah. and I, when we were last and not like our last home, but one of the times that we went back to his town in Tawanda, his next door neighbor, actually there was like an underground area that was built out. And we're like, what the fuck is this? And he took a camera down in and like, like, looked oh my at God. It. I was like, what? That's so cool. There was like, like bricks and stuff laid out. I don't know what it was, but I was like, this is cool. So I know it definitely merits further investigation. Yeah. But, uh, Makes you wonder yeah. like, was there a house there before that had a basement or like, was it made there for a bunker or just to have, was it like lovely bones? which is incredibly creepy. Is it like the, uh, was it a catacomb? <laughs> Who knows? Schmidt? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? 
Well, this was awesome. I'm glad oh we got to do this again. Um, we definitely are going to be back on track. I yeah. think uh, I have to, to make a new my... trailer too. Yes. Yes. So we're going to be back on track kids. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Um, it was so good to record again. And like, again, for Feels me, this normal. is bringing back some normalcy. Yeah. Yeah. So. I agree. Oh God, we'll be doing God. episodes. They'll be coming out every two weeks. So we change yep. it from once a week because we are people and we can't do it. So <laughs> life's insane right now. <laughs> one of us is always busy. Uh, yeah. So we're doing every other week, which I think is more than enough right now. We're still going to try sure. to do bonus episodes. And we do want to work on, because of our podcast, we both feel it's really, really important to have those bonus episodes that talk about what to do in emergencies to yes. prepare you and what's happening during. So I think that's something that like, I feel like we want to focus on to make sure those also get put out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, definitely. Yeah. Important. So there'll be some focus on those and that way for sure. referred to. In yeah. the coming weeks. Stay tuned, y'all. Yes. Stay tuned. Awesome. It was really nice to, you know, per- kind of hear you. Let us know, you know, let us know if you missed us or whatever. Say hi. Say hi. Don't mind you saying hi. That'd be nice. Slip, slip into our DMs. Yeah. You know? Let me know what your favorite disaster podcast that you're listening to also, because there is the Cornfield Me and... Uh, this is a disaster and just so many other ones that are really great that are out there right now. Let us know. Yes. And uh, check out uh, Cool Science Dad yeah. and his blog. Yeah. Uh, and thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So uh, right. what do we say now? What's those words? Uh, duck and cover. Oh, yes. Duck and cover. <laughs> Bye. Bye, y'all.